You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. everybody, this is Chuck Marone with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the Strong Towns podcast. This week, I have Scott Doyen from Oakhurst, Georgia. It's a suburb of Atlanta, right, Scott? Well, Oakhurst is actually a neighborhood. A neighborhood. Uh, and, and it's a neighborhood of Decatur, Georgia, which okay. is five miles due east of downtown Atlanta, Georgia. You guys held this thing last week called the Oakhurst Porch Fest. And it was billed, I saw in the local paper, as the largest organic, free-range, crowdsourced music festival in Georgia. That's not exactly a bumper sticker, but that's pretty cool. It was very cool. That particular quote was uh, generated by us, so take it with a grain of salt. But (laughs) uh, the state of Georgia, the arts wing of the state of Georgia, Georgia Music, did call us uh, very likely the most diverse music festival in the entire state. Let's talk a little bit about what Porch Fest is. I want to maybe start with the idea, where where you got the idea and how it kind of evolved to become an event. So why don't you go back to the beginning? This kind of originated in New York, didn't it? Uh, That's right. That's right. In fact, the first thing I want to do and say uh, is because I think it's a particular relevance to the Strong Towns audience is that this is not an example of cooking up something unique and brilliant at the local level. It's an example of finding a really cool idea that's generating really terrific results somewhere else and emulating it, customizing it to a local context and emulating it. So that's what we did eight years ago in Ithaca, New York. There's a neighborhood there that uh, I believe is kind of a white-collar, gray-collar type of neighborhood blue collar also with a lot of musicians and they had a lot of people who routinely played on their porches and we're all kind of connected formally and informally to each other. And someone had the idea of, since we do this all the time, why don't we just schedule a day where we all do it basically at the same time Yeah, and uh, just put the word out that there's going to be a lot of music in the neighborhood that day and see what happens. So they uh, ended up coordinating about 25 musicians uh, and kind of set up some time slots on them for an afternoon and uh, got the word out for essentially no money other than to Xerox some maps. It was embraced and their event has grown every year to the point that this past September, I think they had roughly 175 participating porches or participating artists. Right. Wow. You heard this idea and you said, I got a porch. I think I can do this. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of like that. I heard from somebody who lives in that neighborhood about the the festival, and and my immediate thought was, you know, I thought in terms of neighborhood character, you know, in my particular neighborhood, you know, albeit at a kind of a maybe uh, some differences to in New York, but uh, you know, there's a lot of porches, a lot of uh, you know semi decent block structure, uh, and just basically uh, kind of a pedestrian oriented neighborhood. So that kind of culture was already ingrained. And that's not something you would have to teach a place to embrace. Everybody was already out and walking around all the time anyways. Sure. My thought was, and this was like five years ago, you know, that's perfect for my neighborhood. I'm going to do that. 
And uh, then there's probably another example of what it takes to get things going at the local level is I put it on the back burner and uh, it stayed there for five years. <laughs> so, All great ideas have that genesis, don't they? <laughs> exactly. So, there, I mean, there's people out there who are getting a lot of good ideas. And so it's kind of an exercise in priority because it wasn't like that five years was spent doing nothing. It was spent doing other things. Right. Uh, some of which are also important uh, at the local level. Every year, my neighborhood also has an arts and music festival. And this year, the village at the center of the neighborhood was uh, under construction for some streetscape improvements. So the festival was on hiatus and the arts alliance of the city of Decatur sort of threw the word out to the community and said, you know, we're not having the arts and music festival. Does anybody have any ideas for an arts related event that might kind of fill the gap that we can pull together really quickly? You know, if ever there was a gold plated invitation to actually act on the idea, this is it. And, uh, and so I contacted them. uh, And that was the first step was essentially making a partnership uh, between the neighborhood and the city or a city uh, organization. It's a nonprofit, actually. Sure. And uh, we carried it forth from there. So this took tons of organizing and tons of logistics. I mean, you had to book bands and you had to, I'm guessing, arrange the brown M&Ms from the, uh, the rest of the M&Ms. Musicians are, <laughs> musicians are divas, so I'm, I'm guessing that this became like a full-time job for you to pull something like this off, right? Sort of, sort of. And that, that gets to the other thing that I kind of stumbled into but proved invaluable. You know, when you're trying to do something new, the biggest challenge, or certainly among the biggest challenges that, that people face in a neighborhood or a community, is just getting traction. There's so much going on. There's so many other things uh, that you have to compete with for attention. Just getting traction is tough. Yeah. The thought we had was, well, we need to somehow immediately enter the conversation above all that noise. And it just so happens that there is a guy here in Decatur who runs a blog called Decatur Metro, which he has been cultivating now for about eight years. Yeah. It's kind of become the de facto place where people go for local news, but also local conversation in the form of the comments. He's built a real good commenting culture where it's not what you would typically find in the form of internet comments. There's actually substantive conversation going on there. Sure. Uh, and so he has a great audience, uh, and he's also well connected to other news outlets in Atlanta that regularly scroll through his feed to pick up news items. He became the third leg of the tripod. So that way, when we made the announcement, when we finally got our message together and decided what we we're going to do, and we made the announcement, it immediately made a splash. At the end of the day, you guys were shooting for 30 different bands. And well, we benchmarked against Ithaca, and they had 25, so we said, wow, if we can get 30 so our first year out. We're better than we'll Ithaca. Be... Yeah, we can do this. <laughs> well, it wasn't a competition. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but, yeah, we figured, you know, by that benchmark, we'd be doing all right. Right. And so, would you hit? Well, we got 30 in the first four days. Okay. And uh, then we said, uh-oh, uh, we, may, we may have to readjust our expectations here of how much time as volunteers we're going to have to put into this thing. Yeah. But that kind of changed what we were trying to do. We went from being tentative to thinking, 
you know, how can we squeeze the most juice out of this as possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, you know, after four days, 30 acts and 30 porches in four days, you know, because we had a media partner, that allowed us to immediately tailor a story and put it online that was, you know, rooted in the unbelievable response that PorchFest was generating. Yeah, this thing was blowing up. And it was. So that became a story in of itself. And, and so that's the point where we started getting that story picked up elsewhere in the Atlanta area uh, was by outlets who saw that the thing was kind of busting open and having crazy good response. Yeah. So we did that. And, and so we ended up uh, having registration for Porches and Artists for about a month, maybe five weeks. Uh, and in that time, we got pretty much straight up 130 of each. Yeah. So you ask people, that's amazing. You ask people, hey, if you want to participate in this, let us know if you're a band, if you're a porch, or if you just want to be a volunteer to help out, right? Is that kind of that's essentially right. what you ask for? That's what we ask for. You got over 130 bands and 130 porches. And, and how many people just volunteering? I guess if you just go by the form that you fill out online that says, I'm available to help, uh, we had uh, 35. Okay. Okay. That's an incredible output of people in one, one neighborhood. The media thing certainly helped, but I think we could go wall-to-wall media here in, in my hometown and we wouldn't get that kind of a turnout. What, what's special that happened here? Well, there was a couple of things that, that ultimately made it so successful. One, I think, was just that it's rooted in music. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. You know, oftentimes community improvement efforts, uh, they're rooted in something more, uh, I don't want to say substantive, but they're, they're rooted in things that are maybe a little bit more specialized or a little bit less fun for the average person. Sure. So this was something where it's like, oh, I can, I can show my love of my neighborhood and all I have to do is just love music for the day. So it was immediately accessible to anybody who wanted to be a part of it. Didn't require any specialized skills of any kind. Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal. But then as we got going, another thing that turned into being critical to us, to its success was that we made a big deal that as organizers, we're going to do the matchmaking between bands and porches. We're going to set the schedule. We're going to handle some big picture logistics, like uh, getting a hold of some portageons and directing people to parking. But other than that, we're not involved. Yeah. You know, come the weekend of the festival, we are retreating and turning off our cell phones. We're not going to, we're not, there's no cavalry. You know, if you if the festival has uh, a problem spring up, then it's up to the people of the festival <laughs> to take care of it. You wrote on your blog at placemakers.com, you, you wrote, in our case, we decided that from a definition standpoint, we were less festival organizers and more scheduling coordinators. I think that that is not necessarily a subtle difference in terms of, of how you pull something like this off. Here's the thing. Yeah. Decatur has no shortage of festivals. In fact, we have an unofficial slogan that is uh, Decatur a drinking town with a festival problem. <laughs> and that's, and that, I mean, we have festivals for everything and they're on, on all the time. And, and that's great. And they, these festivals have been successful. I know, you know, some or all of the people have put them on, 
It's fantastic. But the culture of festivals is to the average person, this is something the city or some organization is putting on for me. And we wanted to create an event where everybody involved said, this is something that's being put on by me yeah, uh, or by the community. So that's what, in terms of the porch host, we, we said, well, let's be, or we'll be coordinators and not festival organizers. And that distinction is key in a couple of ways. The first is it empowers all the porch hosts to become co organizers or managers. But second, it empowers you to push the limits of the status quo or local regulation, because you can say, look, this is an afternoon of 130 private parties, right? Which require no permitting or no special circumstances. Yep. We have 130 people in the neighborhood have decided to throw a party in their front yard on the same day. And, and we're just scheduling them. Right. We're just helping them coordinate with each other. Yeah. Cause you can have a, a birthday party without a permit. You can have a, a yard gathering of people without a permit. I can see cities freaking out over this, but yet when you frame it that way, you kind of de-escalate the bureaucracy in a sense, or the, the bureaucratic response, hopefully. And, and that's absolutely right. And I, I, I want to be very careful in how I phrase this because I live in a city that is extremely supportive of this kind of stuff. Sure. So I, I don't want to set the suggestion that we were somehow fighting against this red tape factory because we're not. Uh, if anything, the city is looking for ways for the next generation of the community to start owning the festivals more. Uh, so they're open to it. But speaking in a way that can maybe translate to other communities that maybe aren't as fortunate uh, from a leadership perspective is by doing that, it changes the posture of where you're coming from. And if you can go into this basically with the posture of, I don't need your permission. Then when you speak to people in the city or with the police, it's as a courtesy. Right. And that entirely changes the conversation. I want to quote you from the piece you wrote at placemakers.com. I love music. I think the idea of having music in a neighborhood where we can just walk around and listen to it. I mean, what, what a dreamy kind of way to spend a fall day yet. You wrote this, and I do think that this is a critical part of it. You said, quote, people who know each other are more inclined to care about each other, and people who care about each other are more inclined to advocate on one another's behalf, or at the very least, not dig in their heels quite so vigorously in the service of self-interest. There's a little bit more here for you, and I think for others, than just music, isn't there? Oh, well, there is. I mean, given the nature of my work and my personal interests, finding ways to navigate the potholes of community is hugely interesting to me. Yes. It's it's essentially, (laughs) essentially why I exist on a couple different levels. So in my particular neighborhood, communities are in different stages of, of uh, their economic challenge. And in my particular neighborhood, Decatur is so close to downtown Atlanta that it might as well be one of Atlanta's in town, historic in town neighborhoods. In fact, a lot of people in the burbs of Atlanta don't even realize that Decatur is a separate municipality. Sure. Because as you're experiencing it, it just, it was part of the same uh, streetcar lines that helped form some of the neighborhoods. It's essentially adjacent to and surrounded by historic Atlanta. 
this is an area that has been experiencing an economic renaissance for some time now. Uh, and Decatur went from being a city that was dealing with the challenges of failure to one that is now dealing with the challenges of success. And uh, so those come in the form of gentrification, displacement of residents, uh, especially as it relates to the rising tax, because, uh, you know, yeah. uh, our properties in our neighborhood have, have tripled, quadrupled in value, you know, quickly. Right. And uh, so people on a fixed income who are able to manage their original tax bill are suddenly finding themselves burdened with a tax bill that they can't accommodate. And even though nothing has changed with their house, right. this is the challenge. And so uh, my personal feeling is that you, know, you can identify uh, that that is happening. You know, you can demonize people who buy a new infill house that was the result of a teardown. You know, you can, you can do all kinds of things that make you feel better and exist from a, from a, a posture of righteousness. But you can't really do anything to help those people unless you can really start to move some policy changes in your town. And you can't really affect policy unless you can build some political constituencies. Yeah. So that's getting back to the question that you asked. Is I just don't believe that neighbors can think beyond their own circumstances as well if they don't know anything about anybody else's circumstances. Right. And they haven't met those people. You know, not to give any suggestion that Porch Fest solves social problems, but what it does is get people out, get them walking around, getting some seeing more of their neighborhood, getting them interacting with more neighbors, uh, and in doing so, maybe becoming a tad more empathetic to circumstances beyond just their own. So that when you do reach the point that, you know, your city commission's considering things like targeted tax relief. Uh, or changes in regulations that would assist some segment of the community. You know, people feel differently about their position on those issues. Maybe, maybe just a bit. You know, it's, I can't make any projections as to exactly how measurable that impact is, but I can say, uh, that the impact is absolutely zero if you don't do anything at all. Right. The correlation between communities where people work together and communities where people know each other is pretty high. Yeah. Last kind of thing, I, I, I want to know, is this something you're going to do again? You know, I'm not trying to tie you in or anything, but it seems like you've got a lot of momentum here. Is this something that you think the neighborhood's going to be up for, say, a year from now? or, or, or oh, We're absolutely ongoing? doing it next year. Okay. Awesome. Breaking news on the Strong Towns block. Well, we've got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> we're absolutely uh, doing it. Uh, we're in the process now of trying to nail down the date before all the other events start filling up the calendar. Right. Well, your blog piece at placemakers.com is titled Porch Fest, your guide to a do-it-yourself community building good time. And you've got some really great points in there. I encourage people to go read it because you essentially say, hey, here's some of the things we learned. If you want to learn from us, go ahead. I mean, here, here's some of the, the ups and the downs. You talk about dealing with the, the city and the dealing with your neighbors and dealing with the police. Talk a little bit about maybe as a just kind of a final thing, the idea of the police. This is something when you, you know, in our in our modern kind of paranoid era, when you, you know, get a bunch of people together in one place, you've got to have armored personnel carriers and, uh, you know, lookout towers and, and people with heavy armor 
guarding this, how did the interaction with the local law enforcement go? Good question, because and, uh, you know, my earlier comments kind of suggest an, uh, you know, a down-with-the-man ethos. <laughs> well, um, that's because that's, uh, that's how you and I are wired, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And uh, I'm thinking more up with community yeah. than I am thinking down-with-the-man. Right. Uh, and so one of the things we took very seriously, and uh, I, I, I think it, it came natural to me just because of my role uh, as a, a communicator, is how important it was to properly set expectations, to properly let people know their level of ownership in this thing. I want to be clear. I don't think anybody should just organize this thing uh, from a time slot perspective and see what happens. Right. Um, So I felt there was a burden on our shoulders to do some proof of concept. You know, we basically were given the gift of a really flexible local law enforcement who said, you know, we recognize that this is a totally untried and new thing here. You know, what we want is a map of where all the performances are so we have a sense of, you know, potential hot spots of people. You know, that's basically it. Yeah. Just let us know so we can staff up a little bit and know where to cruise around the neighborhood. So that's all they did. So they basically gave us a gift of we're going to let you do this. So I, I felt like we had to respond. And that's why we engaged the porch host so much in empowering them and trying to make clear that, you know, if something's happening, you got to deal with it. You know, in the, in the one hour that you're hosting a porch, you're, you're kind of the festival organizer in that space. Right. So if there's a problem, you know, if there's someone getting out of hand, uh, you know, try to deal with it yourself uh, or call it in to the police if something is really getting out of hand. And we also tried to sort of make those suggestions to the community. It's like, look, every one of these venues is someone's home. Right. You know, this is not for you to trash. This is for you to visit, you know, and benefit from their hospitality and maybe bring a little something to the process by virtue of your own charming, sparkling personality. Yeah. You wouldn't go to someone's yard party and, and make a scene, right? Well, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So we, we tried to personalize everything. Uh, and what ended up happening uh, is exactly uh, what I had hoped would happen, which was a proof of concept. We had a couple of acts that had really good buzz and had done a really good job of promoting themselves. And they start playing and the yard starts filling up. And then the sidewalk starts filling up. And then the street starts filling up. Yeah. And like I said, un- under normal circumstances, that would be seen as a terrible thing. And yet, it was an awesome thing. The traffic on that street during those times was the safest that those streets had been in the 20 years I've lived here. Right. Uh, because you had the, the cars who did feel the need to invade what was clearly human space, you know, were going two miles an hour. Yeah. You know, you, they, they could have hit a baby and that thing would have got up and walked away. Right. For a lot of people, it's counterintuitive. We did have some people who expressed concern that there were cars and people in the street at the same time. You know, I just respectfully disagree with those people because the performance was that there was an incredible amount of mutual respect going on. You know, it wasn't like people stood in the street like the guy in Tiananmen Square. Right. You know telling cars to buzz off, you know, people just kind of accommodated each other. And if a car needed to get through the crowd kind of, kind of moved a little bit and, you know, 
and it was incredibly safe. The police recognized it. I caught up with them at the end of the day uh, just to say hello and to ask them their experiences and, and if there was anything that they had learned from the day that we could factor into next year. And uh, they were essentially amazed. They, hadn't, they didn't have any issues. You know, their, their one concern is, was, uh, was strollers, people pushing strollers in the street. Yeah. As years go on, that will become less of a concern because I think what they would see is sometimes between houses they were playing where, where the streets were m- much less congested with human beings that people, you know, people were pushing a stroller in the street in an area where a driver might not clue in that there's a lot of activity going on. In the street. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I figure as we get bigger, that problem will solve itself. Right. But, because the streets will be choked with human beings all over. Well, Scott, as always, I find you and your, your work inspiring. This is an amazing project, and I just thank you for taking the time to share it with us. It's my pleasure. And, oh, one other thing Please. I want to add, if you've got the time, is that if you're interested in doing a porch fest, there is a great community of other organizers that have a dedicated Facebook page uh, that is a, a closed discussion group, and uh, they will – most certainly reach out to you as they did to me and provide all kinds of pointers for getting it going. And it's a great window into different communities and the different challenges they face because mine are unique to me. And that's true of everybody else. One of the connections that we made via that group was the porch fest in Jamaica Plains, Massachusetts, which is a neighborhood of Boston. And uh, they just had their second year uh, and they have been uh, pretty successful at, trying to establish uh, a really diverse festival, not just from a music standpoint, but from an ethnic standpoint. That's something that we want to get better at uh, here with our festival. So that's a connection that's going to pay off for us in terms of how to do community outreach in a way that accomplishes that goal. So Chaotic, uh, you will not be alone if you want to do this. That's incredible. Those are the kind of things that just <laughs> make me excited to be alive You know, today. Because, gosh, there's so many people out there doing great things, and they're willing to help each other. Absolutely. Before we finish, I just want to thank you on a private level, because you have, you have, as a father, given me a lot of hope that as little girls grow up, they become even more charming and delightful. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry about that, Chuck, because... Uh... Please, please keep in mind that the uh, you know that the the Facebook depiction of adolescence is not necessarily accurate. <laughs> uh, well, I saw that you you got a, a special thing in the mail yesterday from an organization. So you you've got a birthday now coming up tomorrow. Is that right? Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Well, happy birthday on Sunday, and uh, we don't need to talk about any milestones or anything, but uh, <laughs> I do love seeing the the photos of your daughter and it. It does warm my heart because, you know, as a, as a father of girls, we have a very important role in this world, don't we? Uh, we, we absolutely do. And uh, I don't think I've experienced anything in my life that can simultaneously make you so proud of your accomplishments and so aware of your shortcomings. <laughs> I couldn't say that any better. Um, <laughs> Scott Doyen, placemakers.com. Oakhurst Porch Fest 2015. Thanks so much. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening, and keep doing what you can to build strong towns. Take care. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Oh, Magnet City! I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.